0: Notice how snitch shorts wear down over time? Now you can order new snitch shorts through gear.victoriaquidditch.org. Cheap, handmade snitch shorts, tails, and also jerseys to go with them. Available for delivery by mail through the U.S. Postal Service or in person at tournaments attended by Victoria Quidditch in Texas. Tournament shorts in yellow or gold are available as are team practice shorts available in whatever your team colors are. Again, you can order them at gear.victoriaquidditch.org. Now, on to the podcast. Spartans win by pull, and that's how we do. Hello, and welcome back to the How to Play Quidditch podcast. I'm your host, Alejo Enriquez. I've really enjoyed doing this project and I'm very glad to have more podcasts available for the Quidditch community. One of the subjects I've been wanting to do this entire time is about seeking but I really don't feel comfortable being the content expert and so I've been very lucky to be in contact with someone who's been seeking for an extremely long time and has a very high level of skill at it. So hopefully this uh recording will be educational and informational for anyone who wants to get better at seeking and learn how to do it of course there is really no substitute for on-field experience but uh, we hope to give you some guidance on how to get that experience so without further ado he played his first quidditch match as a high school senior in 2010 from there he went on to play seeker for baylor and then for duke and now he works as a lawyer in austin texas he is matt blair Hey, thanks for coming on the show, Matt. Uh, thank you for having me, Alejo. Uh, really
1: glad to be here. Looking forward to chatting with you for a while.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I definitely appreciate you donating your, your time, especially as your time in particular is notoriously valuable, given your profession.
1: Uh, we don't have to go into too
0: much of that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Believe me, I love having a break from it. <laughs> I definitely hear you there. Um, so I've got a few questions that uh, will let me and the audience get to know you a little bit better. Uh, first up, uh, what is a moment of personal triumph for you in Quidditch?
1: Ooh, uh, so I think for me, one of the moments I was most proud of was uh, the first time we qualified for nationals with my Duke Blue Devils team. Uh, coming off the heels of Baylor, a team that was able to make it to nationals pretty consistently uh to a younger more developing program that had not yet qualified and being able to get that done uh before I graduated I'm really proud of that
0: that's really cool did you because I know you went to Baylor but did you graduate and then go to Duke for law school you were playing while you were in law school
1: uh yes that's correct so I did four years at Baylor and then three years at Duke
0: that's so cool and you you brought them there you put the team on your back huh <laughs> uh, I had a lot of help. <laughs> I'm I'm good for three points a game. That's about it. <laughs> hey, man! Sometimes that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Sometimes. All right. So next question: uh, What is the most epic Quidditch moment that you ever bore witness to, without actually being directly involved in? Meaning, you weren't actually playing. You might have been reffing or spectating. It's the cool thing. So,
1: to so uh, there was a match. I'm hazy on whenabouts this was, but I think it was at the Loyola tournament that Tad Walters used to put on, uh, and yeah. uh, Baylor's B team, our uh, our Osos de Muerte.
0: Osos, yeah. Uh,
1: the seeker was a guy named Todd Bentley, and he got a snitch catch in double overtime to win a double overtime match. Oh
0: that's that's amazing
1: that that may have happened that may not be the only time that's happened but i got to actually watch that happen and that was incredible
0: (laughs) that's so because
1: i don't think anybody thought it was even possible
0: well the players
1: sure didn't think it was possible that's for sure
0: double overtime is scary for the snitch also isn't it that the seekers are on the starting line in double overtime if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's kind of crazy because yeah. the snitch has to figure out how to how to not get caught immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, so one team ran up, got the quaffle, and then just pushed it back to their hoops, gave it to their keeper, and then started getting set up, planning out their offense, and then they were about to march down the field, and all of a sudden the whistle blows, and everybody's like, what? What happened?
0: <laughs> oh, man. oh, man. It must have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah, OSOS hasn't been op, um, operational lately, um, but uh, we actually actually played against them before, and that, that's always a lot of fun. It's nice when you have a program that's big enough to give their developmental new players a place to grow. <laughs> that's awesome. So, all right, so uh, third question. Who is someone in the Quidditch community that you look up to?
1: For me, it was always Paul Williard, the the founder of Baylor Quidditch, headmaster, we called him, <laughs> uh, a guy who loved Quidditch so much and who you could just look up to, uh, set a really good example for the team. He, he was our coach, he was our captain, uh, but just a great guy to have as a friend and somebody you could always talk to about Quidditch or anything else. So, uh, always looked up to him. It was a real shame that he, uh, had to retire early from Quidditch, um, due to injury problems. Don't want to go into too much of that, but, yeah. Yeah. uh, when he graduated, I think that was a big turning point for us.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, cause losing him was just, I mean, he was irreplaceable.
0: Yeah, I, I can understand that, uh. That's really cool. I don't. I don't really recognize the name. It must have been a long time ago now. But uh, yeah, there's always a Oof. few of those people who. Man, you're making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was probably playing when he was, but I was in California at the time. I moved here in 2015,
1: so. Uh, so I think he he would have only played in World Cup six, and then World Cup seven. He was there with us, but he didn't play.
0: Okay. And then he ended up. Uh, Retired? Did he retire after he graduated, or I guess if you say injury history, maybe even before?
1: Yeah, yeah. So he 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 didn't really he didn't join the community scene. He's uh, he's married. He's got kids now. Uh, he'll come out every once in a while to our uh, our Baylor Brooms on the Brazos tournament.
0: Oh yeah, that's a good tournament. That's but uh, he's in
1: life after Quidditch, and uh, I really hope he's enjoying it. <laughs>
0: That's cool. I hope so. He's earned it. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh a friend of mine talks uh is a big on history. Like I am at, uh, apparently in the history community there's a big debate on on how much the great persons of our of our time have influenced the course of history like like when a singular person comes and, and shapes history all by themselves because some some schools of thought is that that, oh no, all that stuff was going to happen anyway the, pers- the one person who makes it happen and If it wasn't them, it would have been someone else But there's other people say No, there are people who are singularly phenomenal And make things happen that could not otherwise have happened It's really interesting It just makes me think of that Because I do think to form a, a Quidditch program from scratch Really takes a, a great person You know, like, like that great person theory of history That someone has to go out there Do everything, at least to start that sounds like one of those people one of the great people of, of Quidditch history Paul Williard will not be forgotten
1: Paul Williard famous for the the Paul Williard fake out uh, oh, yeah. if you can find film of it or if you can find a picture uh, I, I don't know where to tell you to look but he used to do this fake out where he would kind of step to the right raise his right arm like he was about to shoot and then and then tuck and run with it but what sold it was he had this goofy face that he would make that looked like he was about to shoot it and he would just like uh, and, and everybody bought it
0: that's so funny. everybody
1: knew he was going to do it it was it was his signature move and it still worked even though he just had the goofiest face to go with it that's, <laughs> i love you paul i really miss you
0: that's that is so awesome great thank you for sharing that so uh we've got you here today to talk about seeking i'm very excited to have a a podcast about seeking i think it's uh something that's not as obviously not as many people seek as do beat and chase um by by necessity and and then also the skill set is kind of different so uh you know i think it'll be really really helpful for those out there who want to learn to be seekers so uh Uh, I believe, uh, first up, we wanted to talk a little bit about the history of of the snitch and seeking, um, which you've been there for all the the major changes, I would say. So uh, what would you say, how has seeking evolved over time? How was it when you first came in?
1: So when I first started seeking, uh, it was not anything like it is now. I mean, for one, you had off-pitch seeking,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and... That's a whole nother element. You could write a book on off-pitch seeking. Uh, some people would say, write the book, then throw it in a dumpster fire. <laughs> I kind of liked it, I, but I can see why it, it probably wasn't great for the sport as a whole. Uh, because you had this element of the seeker not knowing what the score was. You could catch the snitch, run back, and then maybe your team was up when you caught it, but then they went down by the time you get... Back. Oh man! If the snitch took you off broom and you had to run back to hoops, <laughs> it's a nightmare. It's not fun.
0: Oh my gosh! Um,
1: and and when they got rid of off pitch seeking and the snitch had to actually stay on pitch, uh, I think there was a short period of time where beaters hadn't quite figured out how to play the snitch on pitch game yet, yeah. and and you still had this. Uh, the, the idea of the Seeker as the duelist or the gunslinger, that both Seekers would go against the Snitch and and kind of grapple at the same time. You'd try to react to what the other Seeker was doing. Maybe they would go in and it, that would open up a window for you to sweep in and steal it from them. I think what you see a lot more often now is when both Seekers are able to attack the Snitch they tend to play it a lot more conservatively and they just wait for their beaters to give them a 1v1 opening with the snitch yeah whereas back when i first started playing the conventional wisdom was you know it's pretty hard to catch a snitch by yourself you're better off just waiting till the other guys there to distract him and it was more about beating the other seeker than it was beating the snitch in the 1v1 yeah and then and then beaters started getting good and that's that's where we are today but another thing that definitely contributed to that was the bunny tail. <laughs> so old folks like me uh, may remember that uh, before we had those Peterson, Quick, whatever brand, snitch shorts, it was literally just a tennis ball in a sock, and they would stuff it down into the shorts until it was just a little bunny tail. Yeah, And that that was hard for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, it's a lot less to grab at you don't have it swinging around uh there's really no margin for error but two even if you get your hands on it you've got to have that muscle memory of being able to grab the ball and and just get your hand around it to just the right uh positioning and that was one of I think that change was actually before they got rid of off-pitch seeking was they added the tail length Mandated required. the
0: length, yeah, because I know the for a long time now the, the tail length has to be 10 to 12 inches, and the Velcro can count up to 2 inches of that. But um, but yeah, I've heard of bunny tail. I never actually played with it. <laughs> it sounds really Yeah,
1: and, and actually uh, I think World Cup 6 was where they went away from the bunny tail. So I think in a lot of the regional tournaments leading up to World Cup 6, it was the bunny tail. But then at World Cup 6, it was it was Quick, I think, was the company at the time. Yeah. And that was actually really hard, for me at least, to adapt to. Because I was so used to grabbing right at the waistband.
0: Yeah, that's exactly and, right.
1: And that's actually the hardest part to grab, because that's where the Velcro is, and there's not actually anything to grab onto. You actually have to get lower so I had to adjust a lot of my muscle memory mm-hmm. down about three or four inches.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh you mentioned the uh the uh, uh tail getting lengthened, I wouldn't I think handicaps also have been more recent. Uh, haven't they also weren't they also added at some point?
1: Yeah, those definitely came about at some point. I don't remember when exactly. But I think that was another change that was necessary just for tournament logistics. Yeah. Uh, back when I started, it was not uncommon to have forty-five minute games.
0: Yeah, t- uh, t- I really, I, I enjoyed off pitch seeking for what it was good for, but let's be honest, it's bad TV. You know, it's not good for TV, it's not. I good I for think that off pitch seeking
1: epitomized Quidditch as the whimsical nerddom sport
0: more game less and and game I think it
1: was a nec- yeah yeah and and I think it was a necessary change as it started to transition into a competitive sport
0: yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah
1: for for what it was it was a fun element
0: <laughs> it was it was definitely fun but uh yeah every tournament director was probably thankful when they added the Seeker Floor and everything, and and I know there was some debate about how long to make the Seeker Floor, and they went with 18 minutes and, you know, they could have gone with any kind of other numbers, but I think there was a debate about how long to make the games, targeting a 25-minute game or something like that was what led to the 18-minute Seeker Floor.
1: Well, for what it's worth, Seekers got to know each other very well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember because I, I we got to be very good friends. I snitched some games with the Scroops back in California with off pitch seeking, and I remember like being in a tree and seeing the two seekers like walking side by side, just kind of scanning their area around them and chatting. You know, is <laughs> entertaining. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention about I really think that that's something that took some adjusting for people. The beaters being a A critical element of the snitch on pitch play—it definitely, really, it's a big deal. The beaters are as big, if not more, a part of the secret of the snitch play. Um, Absolutely. I remember uh, there was some uh, when Major League Quidditch was first being founded. There was some actual quotes. I'm not going to say who it was because I don't remember. But some of the people in charge were literally saying, oh, no, see- snitching and see- seeking is just all about individual athleticism. And I always thought that that was wrong, very wrong-headed. Now, it's, of course, no question, if you have two teams that are otherwise equal but one is more athletic, of course they're going to catch a lot of snitches. But, like, that's true of the other parts of the game. I think that the getting your seeker that one-on-one time to make their moves and get that pull or at least wear down the snitch that that doesn't happen by accident. The beaters are are always, you know, a determinant of of what's happening there.
1: There was definitely a time where I would have said, "You want to have the best seeker. You want your seeker to be better than the other seeker." I think now, I mean, obviously, you want to have the best players, but uh, I think it's so much more important to have the best beaters on the field. Yeah, you want a seeker who is good enough you want your seeker to be at least at a certain skill level at a certain level of athleticism dexterity competence whatever you want to say um but you have diminishing returns yeah. with seekers whereas beaters you need to outplay the other team's beaters on all of those exchanges yeah because more openings more chances more likely you're going to get the pool
0: yeah I think I think when the beaters are well matched, then all of a sudden all the attention goes to the seeker. But you know, yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's only they're only there because they're standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, but uh, but there's definitely a lot of things that seekers can do to get better, um, to to give themselves and their team the the winning edge. I would say that, uh, like with other parts of Quidditch, I think you can really benefit. You can really you really one of the best mindsets you can have is a developmental mindset. I can get better. I can add new moves. I can make myself gain new skill sets that I didn't have and I wasn't born with. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Seeker training camp. Let's say Seeker training camp with Adam all right. Blair. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's say we've got uh, you know we've got uh, Quidditch practice been going on. We've got new recruits. It's been a month in, and we've put all our freshman at Chaser just to learn how to use the broom and work together, but. One of them has got the sparkle in their in her eye, his or her eye, and says, I want to be a seeker for the team. What do you do?
1: So uh, day one seeker, the first thing I teach them is you have two jobs. And the first job, the most important job, is don't let the other seeker catch the snitch. Don't lose. Yeah. <laughs> because you can't lose if they don't catch the snitch. The second job is to actually catch the snitch. Uh, Or as I like to say, the best way to not let the other guy catch it is to just catch it yourself. Um, But, I mean, I say it jokingly, there's a lot of truth there. Uh, I see a lot of seekers, uh, first-timers, even more experienced seekers, they get into this tunnel vision of,
0: Mm,
1: it's me and the snitch, and I've got to catch the snitch. And they forget about the other seeker, they lose that field awareness, you got to know where the other seeker is, and and don't even be afraid to communicate with the snitch. If you're engaging with the snitch and you see the other seeker coming up, back off. Tell the snitch. Yeah. Uh, or if you this this happens to me a lot, uh, if I am I get beat, I run back to hoops. I'm coming back, and I'll see the snitch kind of divert his attention to me. And, and I'll tell him, I'll be like, I'm about to get beat. Pay attention to the other guy. He's got two beaters next to you. I'm not going to get anywhere near you. <laughs>
0: um, yeah.
1: But just having that mentality of um, don't let the other seeker have their opening.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, some of the most iconic snitch catches – have happened while the snitch and one seeker are just tangled up, and then the other seeker just just comes in from behind, like uh, Ball State's upset of of Texas Quidditch a couple years ago, back when I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that I remember was, that. that. and I mean that was the 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 Texas seeker was just locked arms in with the snitch and just trying to push his way in there, and the other the Ball State seeker just just ran right by. Didn't even slow down. <laughs> um, so I think that, yeah, when, I think it's easy to get frustrated when you're like close, you just almost are there. But yeah, there's definitely, you can overcommit to one move or one position and you just start stop thinking about what else is happening.
1: So, so that's the first thing I tell a, a day one seeker. The first uh, drill that I'll start him with is I'll just have him work with a stationary snitch. Mm-hmm. I will just put on the snitch shorts, and I'll just stand there. Maybe I'll put up my arms. I'll, I'll kind of get into somewhat of a stance. But then I'm not going to move, and I'll tell him, just catch it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't overthink it. Don't try to be fancy. Just catch it. So there was a snitch back in the day named Mason Kuzmich. Oh, yeah. I, know. Uh, I, I almost said played for a I don't know if that's quite the right verb to use. He snitched for AM. <laughs> but uh, he told me once. He said most people, you put him in at seeker for the first time, uh, they'll miss the snitch tail, even if the snitch just stands there and doesn't do anything. Most people will just grab blindly and miss it. Yeah. So I think before you start learning any techniques, before you start developing that field awareness, you just, you just gotta. Grab it. <laughs> grab it. It's it's like when you pick up a musical instrument for the first time. You start with one note.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And uh, j- just grab Make it. Just just get that feeling, learn what it feels like, learn what the velcro feels like, learn what the, the tail, the ball yeah. just get that feeling in
0: your hand. Just build that muscle memory. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, because
1: you gotta be doing it a lot if you're gonna be a dedicated seeker.
0: And one thing that I've actually did with one of our seekers When he was just starting out, similar to that, I actually think I just turned my back. I was like, "All right, catch it as quick as you can." You know, just I think I might have like clapped my hand or something to just be like, "Go!" And because if you don't if you don't practice that, you're going to think, "Oh no, that's too easy." I don't need to practice that. You'd be surprised. You can't. You can and you should practice it because when the adrenaline hits you, unfamiliar movements get choppy. You know, because there's a lot of adrenaline going in the game. And so just making that smooth practice run and catch or dive and catch, you know, unimpeded is the first building block.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough just to get your hand on the snitch. If you have to think about actually getting your hands around it and pulling it, I mean, that's just one more room for error. Even something as little as uh, I played most of my career without gloves. And then there was one tournament where I wore gloves, and it totally threw me off. <laughs> I, I think I dropped, like, two or three snitch dips just because oh, it's such a small thing I wasn't used yeah. to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, yeah, just the – you never underestimate the amount of difference muscle memory can make, thinking, that oh, yeah, that's easy. Well, show it's easy. Do it right ten times in a row. That's always my attitude. If you think something is easy, just do it ten times in a row just to prove that it's easy. You know, so yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, so all right, so we 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 worked with our 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 seeker. They still have the fire in their belly after catching a couple of snitches. Where are we going next?
1: So, so uh, when I'm working with more experienced seekers, the big thing that I like to push on them is observation. Yes, there's field awareness is a big part of that, knowing where the other seeker is, uh, understanding the beater game. We'll get into that a little more later. Um, But even just observing and adapting to what the snitch is doing. Mm. Uh, I see a lot of seekers who they just try one thing, and, and they just keep trying that same move, and, and the snitch knows it's coming and has got it figured out and is able to just keep deflecting it or keep dodging out of the way. And if you can adapt, if you can try different things, ideally you can catch the snitch off guard. Um, I tell seekers to look at the snitch's stance. Do they have a very wide stance that is going to give them a lot of lateral mobility, or do they have more of a narrower stance that's going to allow them to backpedal just forever? Uh, Because that's going to clue you into how you need to approach them. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they've got a wider stance and they're lower to the ground, you can bet they're going to be bouncing around side to side, and they're going to try to dodge and evade you. Whereas, uh, you know, Gabe Garces, he's just He's just going to backpedal forever, and he's going to yeah. keep you at arm's length. Uh, he doesn't need to dodge out of the way. He's just, he's just going to push you off. Um, so understanding how you need to approach, and then understanding where to start your approach. Um, I see a lot of Seekers. I'll keep using Gabe as an example just because I have so much experience with him. Yeah. Uh, Gabe is a really big guy, and he's got a really strong grip. So I see a lot of people go up against him, and and they'll try to grapple with him. They'll go in, let him get his arms on them, and then try to start from there. And that's not going to work against Gabe. Yeah, It might work against other snitches, but Gabe's a mountain. <laughs> You're not going to overpower the mountain. Uh, you need to start your attack before he can get his hands on you. Space, space, space. Just outside of his grip and go from there mm-hmm. whereas if you're dealing with a snitch who's going to be hopping around more side to side trying to avoid you trying to run from you you want to approach it kind of like you're making a tackle you want to run in kind of chop your feet break down and see where they're moving watch their hips because the hips don't lie yes it's
0: true the hips tell you where they're going yes Shakira was well known as her is seeking for seeking as well as for chasing.
1: She was a fantastic Seeker. Uh, truly incredible uh, for a woman of her stature. Um, but you need to be more reactive. Mm-hmm. Let the snitch make the first move and then pounce in the direction they're going.
0: Yeah.
1: A lot of this is better demonstrated than explained. But when I'm at tournaments, uh, I, I'm always watching the snitches and the Seekers. Mm-hmm. I'm watching, okay, what does this snitch do? How many steps does he take before he shifts his weight and pushes forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, which which foot does he keep in front? Does he which way does he twist his hips when you approach from the right side, from the left side?
0: Yeah, and, th- um, and I think some of that, yeah, like it's all data. Yeah, like you said, like that's a high level to to watch someone and infer all sorts of things about where their openings might be, but maybe just just break it down a little more. If, if someone just back pedals all day long how do you that's which can be very frustrating for seekers how how would you propose uh, working against that snitch if they're just back pedaling a lot
1: so I think one of the big things is uh, when you have a snitch who's backpedalling it's gonna adjust your footwork ideally you've got uh, a move set in mind different ways that you know how to grapple with the snitch or get past the snitch's guard swim move whatever um and and understanding how you need to adjust your footwork coming in at an angle certainly helps um or if you can come in uh at, on sort of an arc as opposed to just heading straight into the snitch's arms mm-hmm. harder to do but if you uh, if you have the ankles for it definitely helps uh, attacking different levels is a big thing. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, try to, just as you are adapting to what the snitch is doing, you want to try to, you want to force the snitch to adapt to what you're doing. Try to get him to ease into a certain mindset, and then attack the weakness that you're instilling in him. So if you're attacking high, attacking high, attacking high, and you're getting him to, uh try to block you, I'm like doing hand motions and I'm forgetting this is yeah. an audio. <laughs> uh, yeah, try to get him to push up at your shoulders and then you go underneath. Yeah. That gives you an opening. Or conversely, if you're attacking low and you're ta- and forcing him to lower his guard, uh, then you can try a swim move, you can kind of crash down over the top. Mm. Yeah. Uh, a move I tend to prefer.
0: Um, One thing I taught my Seekers... Um because I, I definitely noticed that we were making a lot of progress with catching stationary snitches, but we're having some trouble with snitches backed up. Um, I actually found a nice thick piece of grass and had my seeker fall face belly down, like basically belly flop onto the grass because a good dive is hard to do if you're afraid of the landing. So I don't know if that's, yeah. there's an element to that. Just just to be able to just launch yourself forward, make that catch, and then you know eat the dirt afterwards
1: yeah especially with younger seekers i generally tell them that they should try to excuse me try to stay on their feet as much as possible Mm -hmm. anyone who's watched me play knows that i do not practice what i preach (laughs) at least with regard to that i i end up on the ground so often um and it's really important for seekers to learn how to fall correctly how to land without hurting themselves and how to be able to spring back up into action Um, so, learning what your body can and can't do is very important, I think, for Seekers more so than any other position, because Seekers can really cause some long-term damage to their bodies (laughs) if they're just diving all over the place, and they're constantly hitting the ground.
0: Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Makes me think of, uh, Freddy Salinas, who played for Texas Quidditch and then for Cavalry, and he had this this leaping swimming diving move and you just do it over and over and he looked like he was just so beat up by the end of the game <laughs> just makes me think yeah i him.
1: mean when a seeker's doing his job well he's only playing a couple minutes of every game but it's a tough two minutes yeah. and it can really do a number on you
0: yeah for sure you know he was very good i hope he doesn't think that tying down on him he's an absolutely phenomenal seeker but yeah just the strain of his body was evident it's crazy uh, one other thing I thought of when you mentioned that the learning to fall correctly, I would I would advocate that anyone who wants to play Quidditch, but especially play Seeker, should find their local Aikido gym and take at least a few months. Commit a few months of actual, legitimate trying to learn Aikido because you learn how to roll, how to take falls very efficiently, and you basically lose all fear of the ground at that point. So.
1: Yeah, I think martial arts, any sort of martial art, is great for seeking. Yeah, I mean, not just the tumbling, uh, just learning how to spar with someone, how to watch their movement, mm. react to what they're doing, being able to recognize the weaknesses in their stance
0: yeah.
1: or what their tells are with how they're going to react. Yeah, uh, We talked a little bit earlier about the backpedaling snitch, a lot of snitches uh, are not able to resist the temptation. They'll backpedal a couple of steps and then they'll they'll push forward, yeah. especially if you're in that that grabbing range. Right. And and a lot of snitches have a tell and and they get predictable with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then one other thing is that when the snitch has their hands on you, that's I mean it can be a problem, especially if it's Gabe Garces and he's stronger than you. But it's also an opportunity because. They're usually setting their stance in order to push on you, and so they're not going to be able to make an escape if you can break that grip, I would think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the snitch is most vulnerable when they're shifting their weight. Mm,
0: Yeah, that makes sense, definitely. Um, (laughs) In addition to plugging Aikido, I should also plug uh, Wing Chun and Tai Chi Kung Fu's because they use um, sticky hands, which I showed you, actually, you remember. I uh, showed you. Uh, the yeah, I remember that uh, Sticky hands. That was a lot of fun. Wrist to wrist. Uh, it's a wrist to wrist kind of, not really real sparring, but just kind of feeling the opponent's flow. I taught my seekers to kind of feel the hand and then kind of break the grip uh, to try and break inside. So that in, this kind of inside breaks from that. So just another thought for those people. All all three of those new seekers frantically scribbling notes at home. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right so yeah i did
1: really enjoy that and i i definitely can see uh the application of that uh, that what, sticky hands yeah sticky
0: hands chissau is what they call it yeah yeah
1: just just learning how to feel your opponent
0: yeah just um, just feeling uh yeah just from wrist to wrist contact and just being able to just kind of deflect a hand as it comes in and and cuz i believe yeah. bruce lee the famous bruce lee Got to start with with Wing Chun, and he from that he developed the Ji Kendo. His his signature, the Way of the Intercepting Fist. But uh, but yeah, it's formed around the idea of feeling your opponent's intention, and it applies to, to snitch seeking as well. So uh, so uh, we've got so we've got our, our partner. We're or we've got our our, de- our seeker. They're becoming a dedicated seeker. They're, uh, they're basically learning to observe and move and and uh, what's the next step to becoming a top seeker for the team?
1: So top seeker, uh, I, I tell them you need to develop a signature move. Uh, I joke, it's kind of like D&D, high-level wizard, high-level spellcaster. You have your signature spell. You need to have the move that you can pull out And not have to think about it, that you've just committed it to muscle memory, that you've done it so many hundreds, thousands of times that your body can just do it on a hat drop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because you'll have a lot of situations where you only get one chance at the snitch. Maybe it's overtime, time's about to run out. Maybe the other team's beaters are just outplaying your beaters, and you get that one opening and you know you're not going to get another chance... You need to have the move that is just your highest percentage, your go to move. Um, ideally, something that you can do in about a quarter second, or at least get your. What, whichever hand is making the catch can get from its rest position to the tail in a quarter second. That's average human reaction time. Mm-hmm. And if you can just have that committed to muscle memory, uh, I think that is the mark of a high level seeker having that signature move obviously you want to mix things up you don't want to use it all the time but you need to have your chuck norris roundhouse kick
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um... uh
1: the s- second thing is you need to be best as good friends with your beaters you guys need to be in sync with each other you need to either have great communication or just know what each other are thinking Um, because like we said earlier, Seekers don't really win games by themselves. It's, it's the beater-Seeker trio that seals the game.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, there, we do a drill in Victoria, uh, especially because we never have enough people for full games. We would have a snitch and then two Seekers and four Beaters and you just go at it. And I think even yeah. with a larger team, you can still say you know, take your two snitch on pitch platoons with two seekers and just try and build that that teamwork, that chemistry. You had suggested a, a, a few techniques for improving uh, the reaction time, just proving that hand-eye coordination. Talk a little bit about that.
1: So uh, when I started seeking, uh, skills that aren't really seeking relating. Seeking related, but that I think definitely helped me develop as a Seeker. Uh, I, I learned how to juggle for one, mm, yeah. which especially back then when you had the bunny tail and you had to have that muscle memory of knowing what the tennis ball feels like, uh, juggling tennis balls was super helpful. Maybe not as relevant anymore, but I think it still is a great way to build up that uh, dexterity and coordination. Yeah, for sure. Uh I played a lot of fighting games. (laughs) So uh, Smash Bros, Street Fighter, uh, RTSs like StarCraft, that'll definitely help you build up reaction time and coordination. Um, I I used to have this drill that I would do where I would um, stand with my back to a brick wall and I'd have someone stand in front of me. And they would throw a tennis ball at the wall, and then right when I hear the pop, I turn around and then try to dive and catch it wherever it was. Oh,
0: wait, so you were, um, you were, like, facing the brick wall, you mean?
1: No, so I had my back to the brick wall. Okay. I was maybe about, like, ten feet away or oh, so. Oh, I see. So I'm, I'm, okay. I'm between the other person and the wall. Got so it, they're throwing it. the tennis ball past me. It's hitting the wall.
0: And then you turn around and try and catch it, dive for it. <laughs> No,
1: yeah cool. yeah um, yeah little things little things like that
0: yeah that's uh yeah um, yeah finding your signature move I think depends on a lot of things on your on your arm length you know your height your whatever whatever you think your avenues for attack are gonna be but that definitely makes sense oh
1: definitely. It it definitely needs to be something that will fit your strengths Mm -hmm. and your body type. Uh, There are things that I can do because I am 5'11 and weigh about 130 pounds. (laughs) There are probably more things I could do if I had a few more pounds on me. There are probably things I couldn't do. Um, You just need to know what your body is capable of. And, and back on the reaction time thing, I actually think reaction time is is not as key as it was back when I first started playing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We talked about this a little bit earlier, that back when I started playing, it it was so much more about outdueling the other seeker oh, yeah. that you really needed to react to little openings that would happen when the other seeker made their move. You needed to react to what the other seeker was doing Whereas now, because it's so much more about the the 1v1 with the snitch, mm-hmm. I think it's more about initiating and having quick hands. Yeah. React- there are definitely times, there, there are snitch catches that I can remember very vividly that were pure reaction time, where I saw the snitch move their hips a certain way and I just gunned on it. Yeah. But most of my catches are me initiating... With some move that I've rehearsed a thousand times, yeah, and and it's it's the hand being faster than the snitch's eyes. Um, so I think that just goes to show that if you don't feel like you have really keen reaction time, that's not a deal breaker. It's it's not a must have. It helps.
0: Yeah, I would say <laughs> I uh, I definitely earlier in the early days of snitching when I started snitching a few years ago. And it was more common for just both seekers to just swarm you. Like, at some point, as a snitch, you have to make the decision, who am I going to have to whip my hips around in front of so that the tail runs right past their, their face? You have to kind of pick which of them you think is less likely to snag it on that twist. Because you, because otherwise, you're going to end up you know, getting caught anyway. So you have to do that to escape. And that definitely is not as common anymore. It's Definitely not a high-level play. High-level play, you basically never see that. One team or the other is always in control of which seeker is there, and they don't really allow uh, the other seeker through. So it's almost all one-on-one time. But, uh, but yeah, it's there were definitely times when so if someone had just been a little faster. But I think I think it's not just about having the reaction time. It's like if you if that snitch does like have a little opening. You have to kind of take it almost on instinct. You have to just launch yourself on instinct or make your – like you said, that signature move needs to be like a trigger pull. It needs to be so easy. Yeah. Do you want to divulge your signature move?
1: <laughs> uh, sure. So so my signature move is, I, again, like most of what we've talked about, probably better demonstrated than explained. Yeah. But my signature move is a swim move. So it, it starts uh, with the right hand. The right hand is the move that's actually, or the hand that's actually doing the swim to break the snitch's guard. Okay. And, and I start kind of high with it. I'm coming down, I'm hitting uh, right about their forearm with my forearm. And uh, I'm trying to step with the left foot right as my right arm is crashing across their right arm i'm swimming past and then uh i'm sort of stepping but not exactly stepping with the right foot it's really more that you're swinging the hips because at this point i no longer have my left hand on the broom the left hand is going for the catch and swimming around to brush down the snitch's back Mm -hmm. and just go straight down their spine feel the snitch tail and then pull it on that downward motion and my right leg is swinging across my body to keep the momentum going but to also keep the broom between my legs it's it's a very unnatural movement because of the broom uh the footwork would be totally different in any other sport but because you have to keep the broom between your legs you you're forced to sort of uh shackle your knees together and (laughs) and just sort of swing that right leg instead of taking a natural step yeah and because you have that mobility restriction uh the the sort of big leap where you're really giving yourself momentum is is on that starting to push off the right foot so you're starting on the right foot pushing off the right foot and then right as that left foot is landing you're hitting with that right arm swim move.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And then I
1: probably have butchered this completely. No, <laughs> I think that's this good. Is... But like I said, it's the kind of thing that like I I don't have to think about it when I'm doing it. Yeah. Because I've I've done it thousands of times against snitches of all different body types, and and I don't have to think about it. That uh, the first time I actually did teach someone, I had to like go back and watch a video i was like what am i doing <laughs> like, why do I, do I, I couldn't explain it i had to really sit down and think about what i was doing that's funny and why i was doing certain things yeah
0: that's funny that does make sense that uh that yeah you would have to just kind of see a video of it to even because you're, you're learning it from trial and error of of all right well i need to make this kind of move and you know that's so explaining something's a little different than just feeling your own body for it but uh but no, that's a really... And
1: well, and I've definitely learned uh, when it does and doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the closing note on signature moves, is um, there are going to be times where it's not your best option. Yeah. Um, so like for me personally, uh, my swim move does not work as well if the snitch's arms are uh, wider set and closer in to their chest. Oh,
0: yeah. Right. If
1: if they're because at that point there's not really anything for you to swim past yeah. if their arms are extended. I mean, ideally, if the snitches got their arms locked. By the way, snitches don't ever lock your <laughs> arms. That's not a good idea. Nope. That's okay. that's where it works. I mean, that's that's where it's the move to go to, and I wouldn't do anything else. Um, but if the snitch has got their their elbows out a little more and their arms are close or their hands are closer to their chest. Um, I'm trying to do other moves to try to force them to extend their arms and get into more of the position where I know that my signature move can work.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: And that goes into that adaption reaction feedback loop that you're trying to corral the snitch into the stance that you want to attack. Make the snitch play your game. Yeah.
0: And it makes sense. And I was going to say also that uh oh no I forgot what I was gonna say <laughs> oh yeah uh, the <laughs> the uh, uh, the move you you described this you developing the signature move uh, from working with Gabe Garces who his grip is so strong that you basically had to start your attack outside of his reach I think that's a really valuable thing to yeah. to develop is an attack that starts or build up some kind of momentum or something prior to the actual contact being made.
1: Um, Especially for a guy like me who's not on the stronger side. <laughs> strength is not my strength. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I came up with what I had to.
0: I think, I think a lot of what we talked about today is valuable for seekers of all different shapes and sizes. And there are great seekers of all shapes and sizes. I've seen some really big like tall ones like some really you know medium size and even some small seekers who are you know just quick and quick at turning and breaking underneath and so forth you know so there's a there's a lot there for it's not just for just one kind of person to do definitely I think uh, it helps that there is still many different sizes of snitches too so (laughs) that also makes a difference oh for sure for sure (laughs) I've seen some really good snitches who are kind of smaller people too you know, can imagine it would be kind of different attacking them versus someone larger. Some, someone like uh, Dylan Freeman, who you can't even reach around, necessarily. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> have you caught Dylan Freeman? Have you worked against Dylan Freeman? You know who I'm talking I, about, right? I
1: have. I, I have. I actually have a photo of me catching Dylan. Oh, nice. Uh, it was pouring rain. So we're both like drenched in rainwater, but there is there is photographic evidence of it. <laughs> I forget what tournament it was. I forget who we were playing. I think it was Lone Star Cup actually.
0: <laughs>
1: it was some Texas tournament, but that doesn't really narrow it down.
0: Oh yeah, one of those tournaments. <laughs>
1: it was one of those tournaments. tournaments.
0: <laughs> That's cool. Oh man. Um, so you have any other uh, closing closing encouragement for people wanting to learn how to be a seeker?
1: Uh, I, I would just say if you've never tried it before, you should really try it. Uh, even if you hate it, it'll give you a new appreciation for what your seeker is going through.
0: <laughs> Definitely.
1: I, I guess that's my plug. <laughs> I'm going to plug seeking. <laughs> give it a try. It's not that bad. Yeah. Major league quidditch. No, but I, I do, I do really love seeking. For me, that was that was the part of the sport that I loved. I. I you put a quaffle in my hand. I'm like, what is this? I don't know what to do <laughs> Why do, with do this. I have to do I just <laughs> I lived, I lived for the seeking. Yeah. That's,
0: that's, uh, that, that's great. Um, I don't know if you saw Major League Quidditch. They're trying out new rules all the time. The divisional games right now, they're trying to – literally right now, actually. They're trying out some rules. They're having uh, – uh, for the divisional games, if you catch the snitch, it's 20 points, and the snitch stays out there so you can catch it again.
1: Oh, so real!
0: Like you, you can. There can be multiple catches.
1: I cannot keep track of this sport anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, more, more, more seeking opportunities, right? That,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're trying it out. That's interesting. I mean, we we at Baylor always said we wanted it to be where uh, there's two snitches and you have to catch the other team's snitch.
0: I've seen that found Vancouver fantasy tournament tried that a couple years ago. I think I never heard anything about it, so I don't know if it went well or not. Um, but I also we wanted that. Cool
1: because we had games.
0: Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you would.
1: <laughs> that that would have been easy mode for us. Yeah, that's funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've actually seen suggestions of that before. They, they tried that at that tournament. I don't know how it went. Um, I also thought that Yeah, was I, I, good. I think
1: I wouldn't actually want it. I, I think seeing the two Seekers go against the one Snitch is too... Uh, too much a part of what Quidditch is. I think it's too ingrained in the sport and it just wouldn't be the same. Yeah. Otherwise.
0: Oh man. Um, You know, one thing I did, um, I made, I was at, I was a few months ago, I was at Goodwill and I saw some shorts that looked like they, they were the exact color pattern for one of the Peruvian teams in South America, but they had this yellow stripe down the side I was like, oh, I'm going to make these into some snitch shorts for them. And I went around, because it was a massive Goodwill, I found shorts that had the kind of color s- schemes of each of the five Peruvian teams. So I just bought them all, made them all in the snitch shorts, and I, I sent them down there. So each team has their own snitch shorts to practice with, too. Because I feel like snitch shorts, they just get beat up. think worn down, and, like, you know, people... You know, they're like, oh, you know, just turn them inside out, which looks awful. So I'm just always thinking, you know, I should do, teams should just make their own snitch shorts just to practice with, you know? Like in their team colors, not that they're meant to be used in a tournament or anything. So.
1: Honestly, we we need more people like you in the community,
0: LAO. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. No, that. really,
1: teams need to practice seeking. They need snitch shorts. Yeah. They need someone who's willing to snitch. Because. Seeker is only as good as the snitch that they work with, yeah. and I would not have had anything of a seeking career if it weren't for Gabe. Mm,
0: yeah. I would
1: have had nothing to my name if it weren't for Gabe.
0: <laughs> What's the other saying? Iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. Yep. Iron sharpens iron. Yep. Go out there and uh, be, be, the, be the hammer and the nail, I guess. Back and forth. <laughs> I guess
1: that's my other plug. I plugged snitching. Yes
0: that's true snitching is fun um but uh and if you can get better at snitching your partner can get better at seeking. there you go (laughs) love it all right well thanks for coming on the show matt i really appreciate it i think we had a lot of good insight here hopefully we've inspired a few people to to take up the yellow headband give it a try
1: thank you so much for having me and yeah I, i i just hope that uh I've inspired some more people to pick it up and give it a try.
0: (laughs) Great. I I hope so. I think so. All right. Signing off for myself and Matt Blair. This is Leo Enriquez with the How to Play Quidditch podcast. I hope to to hear from us again. hope from me again soon with someone else.
1: (laughs) Maybe just shorten some of those long dramatic pauses (laughs) where I'm like, Oh, man, that is a good question. (laughs)